All right, so, um, can you tell me something I really didn't need to know? Hey, Mom, tell me something I didn't need to know. So how about let's learn something we really don't need to know. <laughs> okay, we're on. Yeah, we're on something. We are on something. <laughs> <laughs> Happens frequently. Uh, Welcome to the show. This is Tell Me Something I Didn't Need to Know for those of you who don't know. Now that you do. Now you do. Whether you, you want probably to didn't or not. need to know, but you know now. Even if you didn't want to, you do. This is me, Andrew. And this is me, the other half of Andrew. <laughs> this is Andrew's alter ego. It's I definitely not the voice in my head because it sounds totally different. I know. It's irritating. It's nagging. Anyway, her name is Mary. <laughs> um, and we are joined today by Hannah Green and Larry Swart. Can you imagine how confusing that gets about your mom and your stepdad and it's like Larry and Mary? Why is it no, confusing? I'm not your stepdad. Uh, yeah, yeah you, you are. are. You married <laughs> his mother. That makes you my stepdad. A stepfather or stepdad is a non-biological male parent married to one's pre-existing parent. <sighs> okay, so he a is... A stepfather-in-law is a stepfather of one's spouse. Okay. So okay. you are, in fact, a stepfather and a stepfather-in-law. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, I've had a... Extra red cat or two. Yeah, I drink that one. <laughs> he probably will. He's hanging with us. He Still doesn't will. mean Andrew, I'm claiming you. I don't care. <laughs> yeah, you show up anyway. Uh-huh. <laughs> you can't stop me. I know where the keys are. <laughs> so 2020 has been a rough year for everybody. Well, it's not 2020 2020, 2020 was a rough year for everybody. We'll just you agree just on that. It and now it now it's was. Now it's was. Now it's was. Now it's we was. just jumped into the future. Now it's it was. was. Wow. So a lot of people. Time machines have been invented. A lot no, of people don't. use Zoom in 2020. A lot of people heard about Zoom, learned about it, and used it. I don't. Never been at it. Once I think I did it once. I don't want to be at it. We did it I once did as a family. Oh, I remember that. I did it for a job interview. So here's what not to do: an elected official this year worked for Hackensack School. Her name is Frances. She's in the middle of a Zoom meeting with the school board. She took her laptop into the bathroom and didn't turn the camera off. She no longer works there. Was there a little exposure? Uh, yeah, she went to the bathroom. Pause button. Oops. Got a couple things going on. How about say, excuse me, walk away from the table. <sighs> All right, Mary. So, for anyone who is considering a career change. Not yet. Not yet? You going to give me options? Oh, I am. Okay. I am. This gentleman was a school teacher and decided he needed a career change. He's in Indonesia. He tried running a motor bike repair shop. That didn't work so well. So then he decided to make clothes for felines. Clothes for cats. God. Because <laughs> you know cats enjoy them. He's 39 years old, and he now supplies cute little outfits to picky pet owners who are looking to dress their cats up in everything from superhero outfits to nurse uniforms. I feel like that should be some form of Tradis animal cruelty. That just oh, sounds... No, nurse uniform or French maid? I mean, that just it sounds... It just sounds like somebody's creepy. getting a little too intimate with their cat. Yeah. But seriously, like, stop dressing up your fucking animals, okay? They're animals. Yes. I didn't say I condone dressing up the animals. I just said he's making a lot of money I understand doing that. I'm, I'm just public service announcement. Stop dressing up your fucking animals. They don't care. We don't care. Usually, they oh, they there's nothing cute about oh, a fucking chihuahua in a tutu. They usually have that disgusted, pissed off. Yeah, I'm not happy. There's, about there's just nothing yeah. cute about a chihuahua in a tutu. Granted, there's nothing cute about a chihuahua. The I only thing that they're very, useful for is puff, yeah, yeah. puffing them up with an air hose like a Sorry. fucking football and kicking them. Sorry, chihuahua owners. Yeah. Wow. Here's I'm a, just saying, if you're dressing up your fucking animals, you know that's just wrong. Here's a business okay? to they not go into. Fur. 
Besides besides dressing up animals, here's another business you should not open. You should not be a poo farmer and a, a cat um, dresser-upper. Dresser All right. We were getting checked yeah, off yeah. here. I mean, so I'm like, oh, we're not going to do this show anymore. So <laughs> just so you guys know, there's Murder, Mischief, and Moscato that she also does because she's probably canceling this one. Because <laughs> <laughs> we never really get anything done. That might be the point. If of the she whole didn't show. edit ninety percent of it out, guys, it'd be three hours long, and <laughs> nothing would be said about a story. You just hear dumbasses talking. <laughs> so the police in Vietnam confiscated an estimated three hundred forty-five thousand. Anybody want to guess what they confiscated? Heroin, gumballs. Ooh, 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 ooh! Me, pick me. Okay. Is it wine that was made in a sewage plant? No. Damn Cheese it. balls. Used condoms that have Socks. been cleaned and resold as new. Oh, <laughs> that's a good business, though. Ooh. I mean, well, you know, Vietnam hold on, how many? Three hundred forty-five thousand. You know what you do with three hundred forty-five thousand used condoms? Reusable condoms. Two hundred thirty-five thousand Vietnamese hookers. You turn them into a tire and call it a good year. Oh. <laughs> how long have you been waiting to use that joke? <laughs> <laughs> that's such an yeah. old joke. We, we might have to invoke George Carlin's seven dirty words. But anyway. All right, Mary, next. All right. You ready for another one? Sure. Oh, we yeah. have some. We well, got some beers. My is, question is, is why are we giving story? them old no. news? Oh, these are no. just news? These are just little news tidbits. Okay, good, because we haven't even talked about drinks, national days. All right, We're let's cover Slower national day. Uh, other, yeah. No, no, I mean, <clears throat> finish your news clips. Yeah, your new stuff is, is good and all. My question is, why are we giving them old news? Oh, who cares? It's from, fun. From December. It's January. It's fun. It's fun. Because not everybody listens to the news. It's fine. Keep going. And is it? It's not fake. You don't know that. I got all of it off the internet. It's so really real. true. Right. Ooh, she should really true. Never mind. <laughs> we have a bodybuilder named Yuri who got married in November. As we talk about the bodybuilders. <laughs> because of eight red cans. That's oh, yeah. when it gets really frisky. Oh, yeah. We should try probably play ping pong after this. Okay. Yeah. I would be on his team. <laughs> Yuri's wife is broken. She's currently under repair. Did he buy her off of a website? She's yes. a doll. Yes. He married a sex doll. She doesn't talk back. Yeah. Unlike- That's why it's a big business. Especially the lifelike ones. My mm-hmm. God. It's kind of creepy. I've seen a, a couple bit. of shows about it. National Geographic investigators. Uh, like, oh, no. what the hell it, was. it was just, yeah, it was just odd. There is actually a movie about this, not oh. that, but there is a movie that came out several years ago called Lars and the Real Girl about a guy who marries a, a sex doll. Well, anyway, right, he I broke so, his sex doll wife. Yeah, Yuri says she is broken. Now she's being repaired. She's in another city. When she recovers, it will be a gift for both of us. He has not exactly explained how his wife, Margot, got broken. Lie. Here's a PSA for you. If you have a sexual fantasy, please don't post it on Facebook. Oh, I've been everything all wrong, apparently. Don't ask for help organizing it <clears throat> on Facebook. I just want to know, what kind of sex fantasy do you need help organizing? There's a man in Australia. His sex fantasy went horribly wrong after a man toting a knife was hired to break into his house, tie him up, and stroke him with a broom. Apparently that's what he wanted. Okay. <laughs> I just... So the event was organized on Facebook. The intruder entered the wrong house. Oh, oh right. yeah. You should probably put your right address down. <laughs> yeah. Um. So the intruder... Jack Weiss. 
<laughs> Entered the wrong home carrying a machete, and after realizing the stranger was not the willing participant. Machete? I thought it was a broom. No, no, he wants he to, be to be stroked, stroked with, with a broom, broom. But he wanted to be Why tied up at guy? knife point. Get no. your implements straightened out, Larry. God, I don't want Why? Oh, God. I thought, oh, anyway. After realizing he was in the wrong home and that the stranger he was facing was not the, the willing participant, he apologized <clears throat> and shook his hand and left. <laughs> oh, at least he was polite about it. He My was very God. polite about it. Was he on bath salts? It does not <laughs> say. He was He's on, not American, so. It does not you know. say he was sniffing bath salts. <laughs> I can only imagine in an Aussie home, it's like, oh, you know, no. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. You're not the broom no. stroking Sorry, guy? Sorry, mate. No. Sorry, mate. Sorry, Mike. Canadian. They're super polite. Oh, I know, right? Apologetic. Well, you're on the, you're yeah. in the wrong house, eh? Yeah, how about, was, the, how about was, the guy down the road? Yeah, I, I think that's say, Irish. <laughs> <laughs> that sounded Irish. That me. sounded very Irish. I was going to say it was Canadian. There's definitely an A in there somewhere. Oh, no, no, no. Take no, because no, I've actually met a Canadian, and they didn't say A at all, but they did say a boot. A boot. A boot and a boot. I have met Canadians, and yeah, it was A. Where are you from, eh? <laughs> Obviously not from Canada. <laughs> Um, the last little tidbit I have is about an Australian man who... Mate. Who broke into somebody else's <laughs> house. <laughs> Sorry, mate. Who had a custom-made gold ring, and he lost it 13 years ago at Henley Beach. Um, the gentleman's name was Justin Osinek, and Justin was shocked to receive an email from a man named Bruce Phillips who said he found the ring while using his metal detector in the sand. Uh, Mr. Phillips found the ring posted about it on social media, and other users on the social media site were able to point him toward the owner's, the long-lost item's owner. That's so it got cool. returned, which I thought was pretty cool after 13 that years. Is, that is pretty cool. Because you'd think that a ring is not a large item. It's, no, but you, you wouldn't <laughs> get that kind of kindness here in, in the States. No, it was just a cool little story. Did you? Yeah, well, hold on, did you? I can see for myself, no, if I'm not going to right. Well, I would, yeah, I, I would try. I would try. Did you try. hear or read about... The woman, and I, it might have been in England, she lost her wedding ring while she was gardening. And several years later, she was pulling carrots out of her garden and <gasps> found the wedding ring around one the of the carrots. The carrot had grown through it, yes. I do remember How seeing that. How awesome is that? That's pretty cool. So today is January 17th. Uh-huh. It is National Bootleggers Day. Ooh. Yeah. Which recognizes an era where bootleggers became legendary. It is the birthday of Templeton Rye Whiskey, bootlegger Al Capone, and the son of another bootlegger, Merle Kirkhoff. Ooh, that's pretty close. The is earliest it like bootleggers just for booze? Yeah. 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 Bootlegging whiskey is, or bootlegging music is, you know, it's just stealing it. it. It's not the same thing at all. No. I think they took a really cool term and used it. That's all. That's why we can't have anything it, nice. Hijacked well, it. What? Either way, you're breaking the law. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so mine is National Judgment Day. Um, so this is the day that the world's going to end someday. No. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> this no. will be the last thing you ever hear. Do the voice of God. Do yeah. the voice of God. Do the voice of God. I, I don't have a voice of God. I can't oh. really do the Morgan Freeman voice. <laughs> I can't. I'm not good at it. But anyway. Well, he, just, he just tried to do Morgan Freeman as an Irish Freeman, man. Morgan Freeman. Morgan Freeman. And I can't do it. No, no. No, I, I, I'm not even close. Okay. So, um, <laughs> no, National Judgment Day is just a day where you look at the mirror and realize you're a dickhead and maybe you should change things. But well, you tell no, yourself you're going to change and you're not yeah, gonna... I was going to say, nobody in America yeah. really wants to look in the mirror, so, you know, I guess this is just one that gets thrown out the wayside. 
So, what's next? It's a good song. It is. It's a nice it song. A good song. Well, nobody can look in the mirror and go, holy crap, I'm a dick. It's like I New think... Year's resolutions that last about two, two and a half days. days. Yeah. All right. So, I'm drinking coffee today. What do, we, what, what do we got? Mary and I are going to be drinking a bottle of blueberry Moscato. That's going to come across great. <laughs> I'm not we really want that pop. And me punching the microphone. <laughs> so we're going to edit that out because all we got was the punching the microphone. <laughs> Quite possibly. Let it all right. It's all right. Yeah. Hey, I would just like to say it was impressive. So <clears throat> the pop, not the punching the It was microphone. a good pop. It was. It was a very good pop. Blueberry, though. I'm not a fan of blueberry. I don't mind it in my pancakes. <laughs> no, no. I'm well, I'm not a pancake fan anyway. Yeah, I know you're syrup, not a person. Syrup suckers is all they are. <laughs> and you make up for the not liking pancakes for Ooh. liking bacon, so I. Yeah. Well, yeah. All right, so our blueberry. Blueberry what? Blueberry coffee. There's just some things. No, blueberry does not go with. Well, if you weren't drinking red can, I'd offer you a sip of mine because it's actually really good. Well, it could be, but I'm just. <sighs> so our blueberry moscato comes from the Oliver Winery, which is located in Bloomington, Indiana. Another one of our lovely stops on Travels. our sister's yearly vacation. Yeah, Oliver Winery has some really nice stuff. Very, very nice stuff. And I will try to put a link to their, a link to their winery on this podcast. All right. At least in the description. Yeah. Hey, Larry, what are you drinking? We are still on the red cans. <laughs> <laughs> There's a red can fairy. Keeps bringing them. Yeah. It's, yeah. Magic. Yes. It is. It's magic. Yes. Since he's not my stepdad, he's just the guy that married my mom. Ah. <laughs> you are now my stepkid. I'll accept that. Nope. Nope. I Andrew, think he, give me a beer. I uh, think. No, I refuse. <laughs> no. That's how he is. how quick he is. I think he just legitimized our marriage. It's about time. It's not just a piece of paper anymore. Fuck the consummation. Yeah. You know, you got to get. Stepkid's got to get you a beer. Uh, yeah. Then it's real. Then it's real. Hell yeah, it's real. Facebook Jeez, official, you know, it's beer official now. Took me, what, 14 years to legitimize? Yeah. Holy cow. Work in progress. We've been married 14 years yet. It may feel like it. We have been together for 14 years. Yeah. Nowadays, that's pretty impressive, guys. I know. I'm kind of amazed that that's all the gray you've got. <laughs> he dyes it. <laughs> I was going to say, you know, I grew a up lot. with a woman and I had gray hairs before I moved out of the house. <laughs> At the age of 17. I'm <laughs> <laughs> out of here. Look at me. Look what you're doing, Mom. My hair's turning gray. Yeah, I think a part of it was she couldn't stand me and I couldn't stand her. And then we're nothing, past that. I was going to say, thank God nothing's changed. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> no, oh now God. we just can't stand. <laughs> Give me a few more drinks. That will be true. Ooh, you're welcome. She accepted the fact that I make her want to drink, and I accepted the fact that she, she makes you want to drink. Her wanna drink. <laughs> she makes you want to drink. Yes, score. Yes. <laughs> I didn't have to change a damn thing. <laughs> Alrighty, so our story today is called Booby Trapped, and it comes from New York. Oh, yeah. 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 I um, wish she had the pictures, just to see you guys' face. I do have the pictures, but I'm not mm-hmm. pulling them up. It's too difficult. Okay. Um, we're going to talk about a pair of brothers, Homer Lusk Collier, who was born on November 6th of 1881. And rem- oh. guys, remember the names seriously because it does get confusing after a while. I actually know this story. And and the brother, the younger brother, Langley Wakeman Collier, who was born on October 3rd of 1885. All right, give me a pencil. 
Just remember no. that the young <laughs> Let me get a spreadsheet for y'all. Oh, oh, there's not, there's actually not that many people in this. Thing. Um, so the two brothers were born to a very successful gynecologist who had graduated from New York University Medical School. His name was Herman Livingston Collier. The mother's name was Susie Gage Frost Collier, who was actually a former opera singer. So Herman, the doctor, <laughs> and Susie, the opera singer, were actually first cousins. Wow. Okay. I've got nothing on that one. Okay. <laughs> it's not illegal they in weren't... all states. I mean, no, well, this, this is all the time. 1800s, too. Well, yeah. Okay. <coughs> the good doctor was known to be very eccentric, not only to the townspeople, but to his neighbors. He lived in Manhattan, and he worked in a city hospital on what is now known as Roosevelt Island. It's what every woman wants, an eccentric gynecologist. Ooh, all first... right, we're going in. <laughs> <laughs> Heating his hands up by the fire. <laughs> Let's get prepared. Yeah. <laughs> I think she thought she had something somewhat serious, but uh, <laughs> no, she does. I we, mean, it's, we, it's we, pretty good. Oh, yeah, this is a no, good Andrew, you have broken it right down to. <laughs> well, I'm just, I'm kind of glad I have I better still have content dirt. than the, the first time. <laughs> All right, I still have tears in the corner of my eyes. <laughs> so, Doctor Collier, stop. <laughs> Everyone We're, loves this linky. Yeah, God. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine a gynecologist singing that to you before he goes in? So Dr. Collier worked at the hospital, and he would get back to forth, because he, he lived in Manhattan, and he worked on Roosevelt Island. He would get back and forth to work in a canoe, which he paddled himself, and he carried his canoe through the streets to get to the river to paddle himself to work. So what you're telling me is this man had stamina. What I'm saying is he did it with That's what his wife said, too. <laughs> he had some really, really well-developed... No and... wonder she was an opera singer. Anyway. So Homer was the oldest child. He was actually a prodigy. He did. A, he entered college at the age of 14, and he graduated with a master's degree at the age of 20. He was described as courteous, cultured, but shy. The uh, younger brother, Langley, claimed to have graduated from Columbia University... But the college claimed it had no record of him even ever attending. Homer obtained a degree in admiralty law, so he was a lawyer. Langley was an inventor. He was always tinkering and he was always coming up with new ideas. But as they aged, the two brothers seemed to follow in their father's footsteps and they became a little odder and a little bit more peculiar. In 1919, the good doctor and his wife, his cousin, moved out of the family home on 5th Avenue, and they moved into a residence on West 77th Street. So now the family has two homes. The boys, who are now aged 38 and 34, remained on their own at the family mansion on 5th Avenue. I've seen pictures of it. It's, it's a really good-sized place, too. Yeah, it is. So oh, yeah. for New York, it's a very good-sized place. Dr. Herman died in 1923 of unspecified causes. Um, the only thing I could find was a, was a short illness. Susie followed her hubby into the ever after six years later. So now the boys are the sole heirs of everything. Two homes. Two homes. The woman who purchased the home on 77th Avenue found the basement termed full of what she termed junk. But the brothers said, no, it's not junk. We have to come and get it. So they went to the house and they took it all back to the 5th Avenue home, which was already full. The two sons naturally, obviously inherited everything. And at this point in time, they did seem to continue living normal lives. They were socializing. They were carrying on with other people, um, and along with the house, the houses, they also inherited two parcels of land in Queen. At this point in time, Homer continued to use his law degree and practice law, and Langley was, 
he was also a fairly accomplished concert pianist. Um, it is known that he played at least once at Carnegie Hall, but he was very well known for being a success, successful piano dealer. And at this point in time, both of them were very involved in their church, and they both taught Sunday school. So pretty much they're just leading normal lives. In 1932, Homer purchased another property, which was across the street from their home at, on the 5th Avenue. He had the intention of developing it by putting up an apartment building. So was it a vacant piece of land or it was a building that he bought, you know? Uh, it was it was vacant because he had the intention of developing it by putting a building there. Right, that was my question. Was he was going to build a, an apartment complex or he was going to turn what was there into an apartment complex? Right. Gotcha. Okay. But a year later, Homer quit his job due to losing his eyesight in both eyes. This had been caused by severe hemorrhaging in the back of his eyeballs from a stroke. Okay, so this is the older brother who was a lawyer, right? Yep. And Sounds so, like one of them Victorian things there. And so the I old... Just, I just want to point out, it's not that fucking hard, hard to argue even when you're blind. His job was a fucking argue. Right. Why do you have to quit? So, but this at this point in time, I mean... He's in his late 50s, early 60s by this time. And you're talking, what What year was it? 33. 1933. Yeah. So life was a lot different back then. I mean. Yeah. For some people it was sim- especially simpler. Especially for someone who was blind. Um, Langley at this point in time quit his job so he could stay home and he could take care of his blind brother. So the property across the street, after, after Homer became blind, then they kind of dropped the whole idea of building on that property. Right. And because the Collier brothers never paid any other bills, and they stopped paying income taxes in 31, the property was eventually repossessed by the city of New York in 1943 because they owed $1,900 in back income taxes. So why, in 1931, they were still both employed. So why did they quit paying their bills, do we know? They were becoming a little eccentric at that point in time. Okay. Langley actually protested the repossession of this property... His argument was, since they had no income, they shouldn't have to pay income taxes. Which, on the surface, sounds like that makes sense, but... Um, except for that they came from a wealthy family, and I assume that at least in some way they must have had some sort of money. Yeah. So we know that now Homer's blind, and we know that Langley quit his job. Because Langley's going to stay home and take care of him. And they're not paying their bills and having for a couple And they're not paying their bills. Langley is determined he's going to cure his brother's ailment with rest and diet. <laughs> oh! Okay. And when somebody questioned him about this, he explained it this way. And this is a direct quote. You must remember that we are actually the sons of a doctor. Doesn't matter he was a gynecologist, he's a doctor. We have a medical library of 15,000 books in the house. We decided we were not calling any doctors because we knew too much about medicine. And, you know, because Homer, the blind man, can read any of those 1,500 volumes of medical (laughs) literature at this point. Okay, so I just want to point out, okay, I had a dance when I was younger, obviously. No, no way. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was a formal dance to which I brought, I wore a shirt that said self-taught doctor on it. I feel like this guy should have had that shirt. Right about this time in about 1933... The two brothers started withdrawing from society. And as time progressed, the two men slowly became fearful of their surroundings. Now they're agoraphobic. They're becoming there, yeah. They, they felt that the changes coming to the neighborhood were not good. They were uncomfortable with the social demographics that were shifting into less affluent and more diverse neighbors. And those, people. and those people were moving into their neighborhood. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
So eventually, eventually they withdrew into their own home and rarely, was, if ever, ventured out. So at this point in time, the rumors start, they start, you know, they start flying. Okay. Because people talk. Yeah, especially back then. They, yeah, they talk. talk. They do. People said that they were extravagant. They had an extravagant lifestyle. They claimed that there were unimaginable riches in the home, that they just had piles of gold. They had luxuries from Arabia and the Orient. Touch only the lamp! <laughs> <laughs> in reality, though, the two brothers had started the slippery slide into madness. I saw an old photo of the brothers at this time. He was holding a pumpkin, and he actually had another pumpkin over his head. The entire shell of the pumpkin was on his head. It Why didn't, is that madness? Does, didn't give any explanation. That's like a good grunk on Halloween or something. Yeah, what is it, the story of the, the headless ghost rider guy? Horseman, headless horseman. The headless yeah. horseman. He yeah. had a pumpkin for a head. Carried it under his arm. Not always. No, sometimes it was on his shoulder. Yeah, I thought he put it on once in a while. Yeah, okay. so, you know, maybe he was just trying to be the headless horseman. Yeah. Always a possibility. I don't oh. see anything wrong with that. I guess I can't put the pumpkin on my head <laughs> next album. Yeah, no, no, no. <laughs> she'll, she'll have Andrew me, will do it for you. She'll have me committed, dropping into madness. If I'm not mad already. <laughs> I think you are. <laughs> you are still Unfortunately, married. Unfortunately, stepchildren can't, you know. <laughs> Let it go, Andrew. <laughs> you are still married into the family <sighs> willingly. Mm-hmm. That's I, where I, I was going with that. Yeah, mm-hmm. I must have got too many wrecked hands that night. Am I, <laughs> one of my weaker moments or something. There is a reason Mary did not allow you to meet most of her family members prior to your no, wedding. No, she told me. <laughs> you just didn't believe her. She can't make that shit up. No. Some of the shit you just can't make up. You can't. Yeah. It's unbelievable. You can't make it up. <laughs> so because of the rumors that were flying around about the brothers in their home, crowds began to show up at the house every day, which hmm. caused the brothers some alarm and some frustration. Teenagers, teenagers would throw rocks at the windows, which... Caused the brothers' fears to grow a little bit more rapidly. And as their fears increased, of course, so did their quirkiness. They eventually boarded all the windows and they barricaded the doors shut, thus trapping themselves inside of their own home. And at this point in time, trash and other items began to collect inside the mansion. Where was law enforcement during this time, you know, destruction? 1930s, law enforcement didn't get involved in stuff like this. Langley and Homer didn't have a really good relationship with law enforcement anyway, Mm -hmm. as we will find out throughout the story. Just saying. I missed... uh, was distracted. No, you haven't missed anything yet. You'll find out I'm, as we I'm go. I'm distracted on the whole All right, scorecard. Be- I, I did miss- He's still back there. I need a spreadsheet. Write things out for me. Yeah. Due to the fears that the brothers had begun having, Langley used his engineering skills to create booby traps and tunnels Ooh. amongst the many items and considerable trash that had begun filling the family home. Access from the outside into the interior could only be accomplished by na- navigating tunnels that he rigged with trip wires. And you'll see this going bad anyway. No. 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 Mm. How you're did they, they, you're not going right. to. If they, they barricaded themselves in and they boarded the windows <clears throat> and the door shut, how are they getting food and stuff into the house? Wait, we'll go there. You okay. just got to remember to dance the dance. You know, mm-hmm. step over here, step over that. You know, just kinda, mm-hmm. you know, they lived go. in a mansion. They lived in a three-story mansion. Yep. Okay. Andrew has seen pictures. So have I. So the two brothers, Homer and Langley, were soon living in small nest areas that were built in amongst the items that were piled almost to the ceiling. And at this point in time, probably sooner, rodents and other small animals began making their home inside the mansion, too. Oh, that's where the food comes in. No. <laughs> rats? No, we're not Head eating mice, rats. Chipmunk, So, in order to obtain supplies, Langley would venture out, but only after midnight. He had a very great fear of being mugged. He didn't even want people talking to him. 
He would walk miles all over the city in order to find and purchase the cheapest food available. That sounds like mom. I knew somebody was going to go there. <laughs> well, he went at sunset. I know he does, yeah. She has a coupon. Gotta have an Ibotta, some coupons. Coupons. And it's like a bogo. Uh-huh. Got a bogo in it. No, I know. Go home and it's on it's on five hundred dollars worth of groceries yeah, and I spent ten dollars. Yeah, and it's on a discount rack on top of all that. <laughs> Sometimes he would walk as far as Wilmingsburg, Brooklyn, to purchase a single loaf of bread. He would also bring home scavenged items that he found along his route. <gasps> he muffin pan? Possibly. Is that where mom got them from? Oh <laughs> the, yes. Rip the Collier Mansion. <laughs> Rip muffin pan. Well, there's two here now. You can only use five of them because they're <laughs> Five of the muffin. No, no, we got a six pack. Are we all done making fun of my muffin tins? Five pack. We're not. We Five are pack. mourning. We are, <laughs> yeah. we are celebrating we are the life that they it's had, awake. Mom. In my case, it's awake. An Irish wake. I'm, I'm drinking just the, yeah. More than the muffin tins? Yes. Yeah. You're doing it for me? Yes. You're so good. I was gonna say he's such a sweet, sweet boy. <laughs> His mother would be proud. She is for the most part. Right? <laughs> I think so. But this is this isn't your story, Larry. No, I'm sorry. Well, it's a couple. Of Back creepy. to the muffin tin. I'm sorry. The story. Creepy brothers. Langley, creepy about them. Langley would bring home bundles of newspapers, broken toys, appliances, lamps, anything he found along his route. Langley also claimed that he saved decades worth of bundles of newspapers because, and this is a direct quote. I am saving newspapers for Homer so that when he regains his sight, he can catch up on the news. The man is blind. He's not going to regain his sight. You don't know that. Do you have a a library with 15,000 medical books? It didn't help Was your father a doctor? He played one on many occasions, I'm sure. No, it's 1933. Uh, I don't want to think Maybe about he that. thought 1990 they could cure one. Langley spent the majority of his spare time inside the mansion tinkering with his various inventions. He actually did invent a device that vacuumed the inside of a piano. He also dismantled his late father's Model T Ford and then reassembled it in their basement with the intention of adapting it to generate electricity for the house. <laughs> There's a guy I thought. Because... <laughs> Because I can see it too. Yeah. Andrew Hunt is over here like, what? I was actually contemplating, you know, like some of those parts are really heavy. Really heavy. Mm -hmm. Model T? No, and Model T, probably not. But like, even an engine block, I mean, out of Model T. Larry and I are over here going, I can see it. Everybody else is going, what? Well, my first thought was. (laughs) Even back then, they didn't want to pay a utility bill. They weren't paying utility bills. Screw the bastards. But, but my yeah, first thought, out. actually, what had nothing to do with the weight of the pieces. My first thought was, but you got electricity, the exhaust is going to kill you. You can, you can pipe that out. Yeah. So eventually, the mansion's utilities all got shut off for non-payment. See? That's why you want to generate electricity. Mm-hmm. See? They yeah. no longer had water or gas or electricity or even a phone. Mm. How could you not have water? You still had to pay for it. You had to pay for it. Yeah, but 1933, most people were still running well water. They live in the city. In Manhattan. Oh, yeah, but yeah. you're right. Their only form of communication yeah. at that Next point in time, time with the outside world was Manhattan a small... Manhattan Island. It's like they don't need water around them. Not that I would drink any water from around Manhattan. In the words of George Carlin. <laughs> in the words of George Back to the story. Their only form of communication with the outside world was a small crystal radio that Langley had made. They heated the home with kerosene. And Langley would fetch their water from a pump that was located in a nearby park. 
When the gas meters were actually removed in 1939, it was discovered that they had not been used since 1928. When he was asked about the lack of utilities, Langley simply stated that he had built his own generator and he preferred to cook and heat with kerosene. (laughs) He also stated that their home was always cool and comfortable with a breeze. I don't know how you can have a breeze when you boarded up all your windows. And piled stuff. To make tunnels, yes. And you have tunnels going through your rooms. With booby traps. There is a breeze in some caves. What, deep what's he trying earth. to air out? That's what I'm... Or we're getting there. <laughs> we're not airing out. It, it's just he's stating that they yeah. have electricity because yeah. he started a generator. Uh, he has heat because he prefers to heat and cook the kerosene. Right. And the water comes from the pump in the park. Yep. And, and the, the house thing. has a nice... Breeze. Breeze. Okay, sure. So reporters wrote stories on the brothers that tended to fuel all the rumors that were still flying around. They referred to Langley and Collier and Homer as the mystery men of Harlem. And they also referred often to the piles of herded money that were contained within the mansion because the brothers were too paranoid to put any of it into a bank. Not unusual back then. True. By 1942, the brothers had been refusing to make any mortgage payments. And so the bank, which was the Bowery Savings Bank, attempted to force them out of the home. Good luck there. Oh, boy. This did not go well. When the bank sent a crew to start cleaning out the house, Langley yelled at them so incredibly loudly that a neighbor called the police. And so the police came and tried to break down the front door. They broke the front door. They still could not gain entry to the home due to a solid wall of trash that was behind it. After this entire fiasco, Langley wrote a check, paid off the entire mortgage, and retreated back into his home where prying eyes and nosy people could no longer invade his privacy. But if they didn't trust banks, how did he write a check? Obviously, there was money somewhere in a bank. Okay, but it was it was suspected that they were hoarding cash. House. Yes. Yeah, so, I mean, those were rumors. That was a rumor. It's just a rumor. That's not well, true. Well, but she did say that they didn't trust banks. They didn't trust anybody. Well, which they, made yeah, me they didn't wonder, trust anybody, but like... And if they haven't been working, where'd the money? And the family. Their, their father was And they wealthy. obviously weren't the, spending on any of it. The, the older brother was a freaking lawyer. There's no reason that they couldn't afford their bills. He just didn't want to pay. Okay. All right. They had no income. Why should they pay taxes on it? It's true. It's called income tax. I know. If there is no income, you shouldn't have to pay taxes. I'm not going to argue with you. So at some point in time, when no one had seen Homer Collier in an extremely long time, Sergeant Collins of the 123rd Street Station decided to go check on him. He had no idea if he was even alive. After speaking to Langley and gaining permission to enter the mansion, he used a basement door to gain gain access to the home. It took him 30 minutes to navigate the trash tunnels and the homemade booby traps in order to even get into the house. Langley then led Sergeant Collins to Homer's nest where Homer was sitting up like a mummy. After switching on his flashlight and shining it on the man that he saw, he found that Homer was on a cot with a burlap bag over him and an old overcoat at the bottom of his cot. And Homer spoke. He said, I am Homer Collier. I'm a lawyer. I want your name, your shield number, I am not dead, I'm only blind and paralyzed. After the incident, Langley made a formal complaint to the police department, but no action was ever taken. So eventually the IRS took ownership of the house because nobody was paying back taxes. We pay the house off, but we're not paying the tax. They never claimed possession of it, though. They put it up for auction. But because of the incredibly poor condition of the home at this point, and the fact that the brothers were incredibly hard to deal with, nobody wanted the home. Thus, nobody put any bids on it. So the IRS chose to just wait the brothers out. Because at this point in time, they're in their six. And nothing can go wrong with this. In 1946, Langley... They to be 175 years old. <laughs> yeah. They're still there today. <laughs> in 
1946, Langley was forced to go to the courthouse because he caught a man breaking into the home and attempting to burglarize them. When Langley appeared at the courthouse, he was dressed in turn-of-the-century garment. So from the early 1900s. Like, right. Weird. Well, if he never... Well, I guess he could have found him along his routes. Well, and he's only been shut in that house for 10 years, so... All right. The city decided that they wanted the other parcels of the land that the brothers own. Remember, they inherited two parcels from the dad, and then they bought the one across the street. Well, they sold the one house, though. Yeah. Because they had to come get the... Right, because yeah. they had to come get the yes, stuff but his dad had two other parcels in oh, Queens. Oh, you had not mentioned that yes, previously. Yes, we did. Somewhere we did. I'm sure we did. Yeah. Well, we all missed it. Mm-hmm. The city felt that they could use them for streets and other purposes, so they summoned the two brothers to court for back taxes. Langley chose twice to ignore the summons before the New York Supreme Court Justice Charles Lockwood, and then... Because he didn't appear, the land was declared condemned. The brothers were awarded $7,500, and the city took the pieces of, of property. On March 21st, 1947, the New York Police Department received an anonymous phone call from a Charles Smith, claiming that there was a man who had died and was decaying inside a rotting building on Fifth Avenue in Harlem. Hold on. An anonymous phone call from a guy named Charles Smith. Nothing anonymous if they know who made the phone call. Charles because. Smith is in quotes, so... You. <laughs> yes. So the rotting up building on Fifth Avenue was actually the call your home. And when the police responded to the phone call, they couldn't get into the do- into the building to even do a well check. They couldn't even get the front door open. So at this point in time, crowds began to gather. The, cr- the cops requested an emergency team who showed up with axes and crowbars. They finally got through the basement door. But now they're confronted with a tons of barricades of trash. And by now... Thousands of people had gathered outside in the rain to watch the proceeding. We had pictures of this, too. This is the part where we form a line and, you know, one piece of trash down the line. One piece of trash down the line. (laughs) Still couldn't get in. So now they bring in ladders. They access the roof and they try to get in the windows. But, again, they can't get past the trash. They can't get past the barricades. Somehow, finally, one officer, Detective Lowry, was able to make his way inside. He got in through a window, but he had to crawl over the trash between the trash and the ceiling. He described what he found. The emaciated body of a gray-haired man dressed in a very tattered old gray bathrobe sitting upright in a chair that at one time had been very nice, plush and velvety. Now it was just a raggy, nasty piece of garbage. The officer tentatively identified the gentleman as Homer Collier. Once the medical examiner arrived, declared him deceased for at least 10 hours, and the autopsy showed that he had died of starvation and dehydration. There were legions of rats living in the home with the brothers, and they were running through the trash. Yelling, I am Legion. <laughs> <laughs> when the bystanders looked through the windows that weren't boarded up, they could see the entire house was tightly packed floor to ceilings with scavenged junk, including the fireplaces. Even the fireplaces were stuffed. Thing. Crazy. So yeah, he, he heated the home with kerosene, so what do we need a fireplace for? Right. The detective soon found that the entire building was riddled with tunnels through which Langley had moved through the home. He would pull bales of newspapers behind him to conceal the entrances to his tunnels in order to deter thieves and burglars from entering the home. They also discovered that Langley had constructed many booby traps that were constructed of tin cans and piles of debris. The tin cans would alert him to the intruder, and the debris would fall upon the intruders in trapping the thief. When they did not find Langley right away, they decided to give him 24 hours to show up before beginning to dismantle the enormous junk labyrinth. Labyrinth? At that point in time, they would start at the top and work their way down. They brought in tall ladders. They climbed up onto the roof. They smashed in the skylight to get into the top. They smashed in a roof trap door. That's how they gained access. They then smashed out windows for ventilation. 
And they started pitching shit out the windows onto the sidewalk. Light it on fire. I've actually seen pictures of it, and it's not pretty. No. At this point in time, the gathering crowds are cheering very loudly. By April 7th, the the workers had removed at least 103 tons of trash. That is 206,000 pounds. On the very next day, April 8th, they found the body of Langley Collier. He was actually found in the very same room as his brother. He had become the victim of his own booby trap. He was buried under a mountain of garbage, and he was only eight feet away from where the body of his brother had been. It was determined that Langley had died approximately a month before Homer perished from starvation and dehydration, which means that Homer knew that he was there, even though he couldn't see him or do anything about it. And that really sucks. Some of the items that were moved from the home included a lot of art, sculptures, 14 pianos. Yeah, because remember, um, at the end, Langley was a piano dealer before he yeah. lost his... Two organs. his brother lost his sight. Two organs, violins. I just want to think of, okay, this guy's scavenging for everything. How's he he getting this? He's just toting the piano above his head. How's he getting the shit home? (laughs) (laughs) He had a clavichord, banjos, bugles, hundreds of yards of unused silks and fabrics, which makes me wonder where the hell he's getting brand new stuff from. He had a Model T Ford. He had a a skeleton. He had human organs that were pickled in jars. There were eight cats, 25,000 books. Baby carriages, three dressmaking dummies, and so much more. There were literally decades of bundles of newspapers and magazines still bundled with string. What was, what could be auctioned off was, but only brought in about $2,000. Because the mansion had gone so long without any maintenance, it was decaying. The roof leaked in multiple spots. The walls had started caving in. Bricks and mortar were falling to the floors below. So the, the house obviously was officially called a disaster, unsafe, and a fire hazard. And then in July of 47, they demolished it. The city then built a park on the property, and today there is actually still a children's pocket park there. In Harlem, New York, hoarders are now considered to have Collier Syndrome. Who made the phone call and how they knew about the decaying body inside the mansion still remains a mystery today. Wow. Somebody yeah. successfully broke in and found the body and was like, yep, I'm getting the fuck out of here. Yeah, it's a crazy story, and the pictures that went along with it were just freaking... Oh, yeah. Like, you really had to see them to believe them. Like, in order to remove the gas meters, they actually had to climb the outside of the building. Well, make sure you post a few of the pictures, you know. It's crazy. So that your listeners can... So that is the story of the Collier Brothers. It's pretty messed up. Yeah. They're like the very first original porters. Yeah. No, first, probably not, but this is the first documented case of that severe. Or one of the more famous first documented. It's crazy. Yeah, absolutely. very crazy. All right, Mary. Good story. Thank you. So anybody who stopped by and listened, we appreciate your time. We hope you enjoyed the story today. If you have any suggestions, ideas, or comments, feel free to contact us and throw them at us. Don't like. throw things, please. Mary's going to throw a beer can at my head. <laughs> Empty. Empty. Empty one. Yeah, I know. I know. Uh, hello? That Alcohol was, abuse? Yeah, I was going to say that. Not no. if it's empty. That's why we said it, it, it has to be empty. Alcohol abuse, otherwise. That's right. We don't waste alcohol around I here. Mean, Did you learn nothing from your grandfather? No. And they don't, don't really know as much as a full one, but, you know, <laughs> the empties get the point across. Yeah. I'll take the 10 cents if you throw it at me. You can find us on Facebook at Tell Me Something I Didn't Need to Know or at TMSIDNTK at gmail.com. We're also on Twitter at TMSIDNTK. That's the initials for the title. So if you enjoyed your short stuff with us. Feel free to follow the podcast, lead us a rating, and a review. You can find us on Anchor, Spotify, Breaker, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, and Radio Public. 
This podcast is co-hosted by myself, Angel Crummel, and my mother, Mary Schwartz. And her husband, Larry, who is apparently not my stepfather. <laughs> Things you learn. Right. I didn't need to know it. Right. <laughs> and my Angel. <laughs> so, final top. Who's been drinking? I was just going to say, and as the only one at the table not drinking, who can't talk? Yeah. <laughs> final thought for today. Andrew. Yes. I know it's hard, especially with this family. Don't roll my eyes out loud. Exactly. <laughs> Have a great week, guys. Bye. Bye. Bye.